0: hello friends you are listening to the gospel today podcast and today we are going to be talking about praying to the dead and praying for the dead actually we'll probably talk more about praying for the dead but we're also going to talk about praying with the dead so we're going to talk about prayer and the dead and the reason that i wanted to bring this subject up was because we just got back from a trip to kiev we were there for about four days took the whole family. They had a few days off from school. And we visited one of the main sites for the Orthodox Church here in Ukraine called kiev pecherskaya Lavra. This is sort of the birthplace of Orthodoxy, of Ukrainian-Russian Orthodoxy from a thousand years ago. So extremely historic place for Ukraine and for the Orthodox church. And there was a lot of praying with the dead there. So I'm going to talk about that praying for and with the dead. And I also want to talk a little bit about our book that we just printed called Vozrastania in Russian, or what is it called growth or growing up it's called growing up in English. So, So we just got this in fact when i was in kiev i was able to pick up some copies because we had it printed up there and we're really excited about it because we're looking forward to doing seminars and helping churches to do biblical evangelism so first of all let's let me just talk i'll just share with you a little bit about this trip that we had to kiev so my sister and her family live in kiev and they have been serving and living there longer than we've been living in Odessa, I guess. And they have five kids. So when we have a chance, we'd like to go up there and visit them. But there's also some ministry connections that we have in Kiev that we also like to visit or, or take part in. And so our kids have Thursday and Friday and Monday off from school for kind of this little fall break that they usually have. So we head out Thursday and got up to Kiev on Thursday evening and spent some time with my sister and then spent some more time on Friday with her. And then on Saturday we had planned to go to this called kiev Picheshka Lavra. So Lavra is like a, a headquarters for the Orthodox Church. I think we have three Lavri in Ukraine, one in Odessa, one in western Ukraine, and one in eastern Ukraine. But this is definitely the biggest one here. It is where all of the heads of the churches are. It It um, is kind of like a miniature Rome, I guess you could say, or a miniature Vatican City for Ukraine. And so it, of course, has these, these very, very historic churches. Thousand, thousand, A thousand years, basically, the monks have, have been there ever since Orthodoxy began in Ukraine in the late 900s AD. And so we went to visit because Christine and I realized that while we had been there and it's part, it's been over 20 years, I think, since we've really been there and visited. But what they're known for is these caves. So Kiev Pacherska Lavra Pacherska is, is, uh, is a cave. Okay. And they have these caves or maybe like what we call catacombs. And these catacombs were areas where, that were lived in by monks. And some of them for many years, I think 20, 30 years, they would live in these caves and they're not big. I mean, these are small little caves, little tunnels going here and there. Mainly you can stand up and walk through them. Some places you have to duck down a little bit. And so these monks live there. And this was, you know, 500 years ago, 600, 700 years ago many hundreds of years ago and they lived there and then they died there. And when they died, they would just bury them right there. I mean, they're already underground. They're sort of already buried, right? And so many of them, because of the conditions in the cave, their bodies did not completely decay. They kind of shriveled up. They kind of became mummified. And so then they were looked upon as some sort of holy relic, literally a holy relic and So now as far as I know, there are no monks that live in these catacombs in these caves But they are part of this whole complex, which is quite large and very beautiful Kyiv pacherska Lavra and they have three sets of caves Well, we went there on Saturday. We were meeting one of our students from Colombia who has moved to Kiev and we wanted to show him around a little bit but Nicholas and I were walking around there and we found one of the the far caves, the far, far caves. And basically you go into a church and there in the church, there's just a door and there's steps that go down, 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 down. And so it said, these uh, are for prayer only. So I thought, well, I can pray. Why not go down there? We can pray. So I said, Nicholas, look, there's the entrance to the, to the caves. Should we go down? Okay, so we started going down these stairs, and you have to understand very steep stairs, and you're basically in this very enclosed space, literally about about like this, okay? um some places you kind of have to put your head down a little bit and you go down, 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 and there's another flight going down, so we're going down pretty, pretty steep, pretty far and and you start feeling a little claustrophobic, honestly, knowing how far down you are. And, and having these, these walls right next to you. In fact, as I got down to the bottom of the stairs, uh, the, the tunnel was so narrow that I had to kind of go like this to get through because my shoulders were just a little bit too wide. I think the monks back then were smaller than, than most people today, I think. And so we got down there. And then of course, as soon as you get down there, turn the corner, you're in the catacombs and there is a coffin. All the coffins have glass tops on them, and you are, you're standing right next to it because the cave is only about this wide. And thankfully, like I said, those, those guys that lived six, seven, eight hundred years ago were not very big, so their coffins are not very big. So you can just kind of barely scoot by their coffins. But I got down there, and I realized I didn't buy a candle. You see, you're supposed to buy candles. You're always supposed to go down there with your candle. There's a special way to hold your candle. And I didn't even think about it. And they do not have, they don't have a single electric light in these caves. Only thing that lights it is candles. Well, thankfully they had some candles in there. Every coffin that we passed had two or three candles. And the only place that there was any Candles that were just sitting there were where the coffins were. So you could kind of make your way through the caves by the coffins. And we got down there. And of course, Nicholas, who's 11, he turned to me and said, uh, I'm scared. I do think he said, I don't like it here. Uh, can, can we go back? And I said, well, you can't. Because that passageway is so small that you can only go one way in it. So we got to go through. So we continued through. Thankfully, we found someone uh, once we got down there, there weren't that many people down in, in these far catacombs that we went into these far caves, but thankfully we found somebody that had a candle. And so I kind of stuck close to him because then I realized that, wow, um, we don't have any light down here. And so we stuck close to him and continued to walk through past the different coffins. And of course, before I went down, I was thinking, okay, you can only go down for prayer. So that's fine. I can pray down there, right? But time I got down there, I was like, I realized that all the prayer is them praying to these bodies of priests that were in these coffins. Now, they were glass topped, but generally the the body had some sort of cloth over it. Although sometimes they would have a hand sticking out that was kind of black and dried and shriveled up or maybe had a foot sticking out and what they would do is of course, they would do the, the sign of the cross. And then they would kneel over and they would kiss the glass on the coffin. Now some people just kind of kissed their hand and kissed it or, or just kind of went very close to it. Some people did kiss. It It was not very COVID safe, not a single mask anywhere in sight in that whole place. Um, And, You know, it just produced really, I think, a very strange and bad feeling as we were down there realizing what is going on here. Why do do we feel that we have to go into caves to pray to the bodies of dead men? It doesn't seem very biblical to me. Well, okay, so that's praying to Two dead people, right? And unfortunately, it is a very common practice, okay? Uh, in the Orthodox Church, they honor the relics of dead saints. And so, many, especially large Orthodox churches, when you go in, uh, in fact, the one here in Odessa, the big uh, Sabor that they call it, uh, if you go in there, they have this glass case and it has all these little things of, it looks like sand, like granule, granules of sand or something. What it is is like, I don't know, like the ground of bones or something like that of some saint and underneath, or maybe it's a little piece of hair of some saint that passed away. People come, they kiss it, they pray to those things. Well, we came out of there, we ended up meeting the girls and our, our student from Columbia walked around, went in the other catacombs, which were actually more extensive, but there was a lot more people there. So we went in there with them, walked around a little bit, kind of got lost actually, got turned around, and then realized, at one point we are like, wait, we've already been to this spot before. Uh, Came out of there, and then that was Saturday. So they had their Saturday evening service. And so we decided to go to the main church there and just go and attend the service. And so, uh, of course, we went into the the cathedral or really, you know, what they call it in Russian. Is, it's a temple. Okay. So we went into the khram, the khram, the temple. And we came into the temple and they have an area you know, with the icons and stuff. But before you get to that, they have little papers. They have a sheet. And uh, I didn't take a picture of any of this because they really don't want you taking your camera out there and taking your phone out and taking pictures. And so I wanted to respect that. But they have a sheet and it tells you how much prayers cost. And so we looked at that sheet, how much prayers cost, how much it costs to do a liturgy. And these are all prayers for, for the dead. And so what they will do is, and especially the older women, they, they do this a lot. They take these little sheets of paper, they write on the names of their relatives, their family members who have passed away. Then they put it I think in an envelope, they put some money in it, and they put it in the box. And so you can pay to have your dead friend or relative pray for once. To have them prayed for, I think it was for for 40 days. To have them prayed for for half a year for a year, for five years, or for 10 years. And uh, it, it actually, the, the cost wasn't really that much. It was like two grieving to pray once, which is like, I don't know, it's like, what is two grieving, like, it's a couple cents. Um, and to, I think, you know, to pray for 10 years, it was 3,000 grieving, which is like a little over $100. And then prices in between there. So, But obviously, you know, for, you know that's for one person. So can you imagine, you're writing 10 people down, You know, you want to pray for 10 people for 10 years. That's going to be well over $1,000. And, you know, I just thought how sad that is that, that people are wasting their money, wasting their time, wasting their energy on prayers that really mean nothing, right? But it did get me to thinking, how do they come up with this? Like, how do they come up with praying for the dead, all that kind of stuff? And so uh, I did start looking into it and here just kind of briefly, I'll lay out to you what I understand is the Orthodox uh, teaching, general Orthodox teaching. I understand it's a large church. So there are some variations in this, but the general Orthodox teaching of what happens after death. And so the Orthodox has the idea of 40 days, that the soul kind of wanders, has like 40 days, before it actually gets to its final destination after death. And I even, I read some priests who like, you know, recommend, they, they have like the advices on what to do during those 40 days. And uh, one priest said, well, don't don't like hang around, what do you say? Like, oh, don't hang around your body. Like, go go and visit Jerusalem. It'll be like, it'll be a free visit to Jerusalem. And you can go and walk around Jerusalem and see all the holy places, you know. It's just a free trip for you. <laughs> okay, that's interesting. Um, but during those 40 days, they have something called muiterstva. Uh, and muiterstva is a testing of the soul. And so this is a little bit different than the Catholic understanding of purgatory. Muiterstva uh, is, uh, f- there are 20 of them, I believe, 20 muiterstva. And each one is has to do with a certain sin, and I don't remember them all in in order. But um, I think like the first one or two is about like like evil things that you said to people, and and so what they say is that once you die, you have to go through these murtishtva. And you, you're tested. Your soul is tested, and and your soul is purified. And so, so I think the first first one you come to, and it, and it, there's a, a scroll with all of the evil things that you ever said. And and there's demons there, and these demons are going to be accusing you, and 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 the demons, you know, those sins belong to them, and so they're going to be trying to kind of like rip them out of your out of your soul and. And so the, these, as the soul goes through these Muitershtva, the idea is to get rid of these, these impurities one by one, and it's a painful process. And the, the prayers of, of the saints, and especially the prayers of the priest in the Orthodox Church, help the person to be able to be strong and get through these Muitershtva so that they can get to the other end and get into the presence of God and get into heaven. Now, if you're interested much of the teaching about these, these Mnitrstva are found in a book called uh, The Life of Vasily Novova. And there is this, um, he basically has, there's this guy Grigori there, and, and, and he was taught by this woman who, I'm not sure if she was like a nun or something, but this woman, Theodora, and Theodora, dies and he didn't didn't get to be there right before she died but he wanted to know what, how it happened and 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 how she you know went on this journey from from <clears throat> leaving her body to getting to heaven and this um i think it's called like highly revered vasili he says well you you'll be able to see this theodora and that night this gregory he has <clears throat> this vision and he is taken to heaven and and he meets with this Theodora, and she explains to him all of these twenty uh, mitzvah that she went through, and, and she was considered to be a very <clears throat> godly, righteous person. And of course, she got through them, but she said it was very difficult. It was to, like torture. It was so painful. It was like it was like being in, in fire that was that was burning off the impurities from her, and so. That's where this, this book called the, um, the Life of Vasily Novova and in it the vision uh, of Grigori and the explanation from Theodora, how she went through these 20 Muitrstva, that's where today most Orthodox uh, priests, teachers get their understanding of, of these 40 days and they they get it from from this book called the life of Vasily Novova now, I didn't find that book in English um, Maybe it exists somewhere in English if it does you can let me know uh, I read through some of it uh, mainly I read through Theodore's explanation of the 20 Mitrstva and it was, it's actually a very interesting read I mean like a, Fictional read, I, I found it. You know, it was interesting. It, it you know, it reminded me of, uh, of the the story of Scrooge and what is it the, the um, and the spirits of Christmas where they they take him through the and they, they show him you know the different, um, you know spirits of Christmas and this happened that happened and that and 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 that sort of like purifies him you know and he becomes a good person afterwards. That's actually really close to that and. And I think that actually was written around the same time as as that was written as well uh, the spirit of I think it's spirit of Christmas right so so that's where they that's one of the main ways now here's what was interesting too and let me open my Bible here because they also use of course the Bible to promote the teaching of the forty days and the muhrtva that um, that everyone has to go through after death, okay? And so, I was thinking, what, what Bible verse are they using? Of course, um, some of the intertestamental books, I think Syriac and Esdras, um, there are some things about praying for the dead, and so they use some of the things there, okay? I'm not gonna talk about those right now, but, but what we have in, you know, in our accepted canon of the New Testament, the Old Testament, but particularly the New Testament, so the book of Ephesians, I thought, when I heard this, because I was watching some videos of uh, some of these Orthodox, this is all, all in Russian, but, uh, you know, teaching about how to get through the money, what they are, and all that. And they go to Ephesians chapter two. And so, l- look at this, this is, this is one of their main texts. As for you, this is Ephesians two, starting in verse one. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time craving, gratifying the cravings of the flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest were by, um, like the rest we were by nature deserving of wrath. So primarily they use verses one and two here. Dead, oh, this is talking about when you die. See, they say, this is talking about when you die kind of like looking back on when somebody died, I guess. But, and, and, and then they, they point out that it says, um, the ruler of the kingdom of the air. And it says, okay, listen, Satan is the ruler of the air. And so when you die, your soul, your spirit leaves your body and it has to go through the air in order to get to heaven. And so who's the ruler of the air? It is Satan. And so of course, just, and, and they point out that in the book of Daniel that it says that there was a, there were spirits that opposed uh, Michael when he came to Daniel. And, and so so, well, if these spirits, you know, oppose the angel in the book of Daniel, then these spirits can oppose, our soul when it leaves the body, and so so anyway, they especially take this uh, chapter, verse two here, chapter two Ephesians. The, uh, um, Satan is the the ruler of the air, and since our spirits have to go through the air, we're going to have to deal with him. He's going to be trying to take us for his own as we move from our bodies into heaven. Okay, now I I, I think that's completely wrong when it comes to what Paul was saying here. Paul was talking to these people the ephesians to their past life life of sin life before they had christ he was not speaking about in the future when they would die and how they would have to move from there to heaven but anyway um, the other spot that they primarily use is ephesians chapter six where it talks about um the where it talks about the struggle is not against flesh and blood but against um, the rulers and authorities and powers of darkness so ephesians chapter 6 starting in verse 11 talks about putting on the full armor of god so that you can stand in the um against the schemes of the devil and um and then he says for our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against rulers against the authorities against the powers of this dark world and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes you may be able to stand your ground after you've done everything to stand and so what they say is it says they say is the day of evil is the day of your death so Paul is talking about preparing yourself for the day of your death so that you can stand against the devil after you die and you can get through these 40 days that you need to get through in order to make it into heaven. Uh, Again, I have a big problem with that interpretation. Again, I believe that Paul was talking to the people in Ephesus, in that church, at that time. And that is not what he was talking about. He's talking about the evil day, which is today. I mean, the evil day isn't just when you die. The the evil day is, is today and um and then he's you know talking about standing firm and having truth and faith and the gospel and helmet of salvation prayer and all those things so those are kind of the two of the primary passages from the bible but for sure the the biggest support that orthodox use for the 40 days of the 40 day journey of the soul after death and the 20 that they have to go through would be writings, you know, some of their traditional writings, like the book of the life of um, the revered Vasily Novova. So that's, that's kind of where they get it from. And I think it's sad. I think it's sad because, again, people waste their time, their money, their energy on doing things like this. And not only do I disagree with the interpretation of Ephesians 2 about being dead in your sins, it's not talking about our death, and it's not talking about how the soul has to go through the air in order to get to heaven. It is talking about our previous life before Christ. But I also uh, disagree with the fact that when you look at Scripture, there are no places in the old testament or the new testament where we see prayer to the dead or for the dead and i think that that ought to be very clear to us that we are taught to pray to one to the one to god the father and that is all jesus christ prayed to god the father the apostles prayed to god the father we may also pray for Other people to God the Father but there is no no scriptural examples of prayer for the dead or prayer to the dead and I think that it is a practice that has probably came over from paganism because most pagan religions revere the dead revere dead ancestors and especially in Eastern cultures which Ukraine, Russia are, are much more Eastern. Uh, we see that reverence of the dead and prayer to the dead is a very common but unbiblical thing. And so I think it's so important that we make it clear that as we pray, we pray only to God the Father. We don't even pray to Mary. It's another subject, right? And, and we pray only for those who are living now um i want to share with you also about this book and here's the thing you know we need to be involved in in helping people who are still alive to get into heaven and unfortunately those who are no longer alive there's nothing that we can do to help them so that's why it's so important and and when we start focusing all of our attention on praying for, and paying for the salvation of those who've already died, I think that we just lose out on the opportunity to pray for and share the gospel with those who are still alive. And so I think that that's where um, this book comes in. This isn't really a gospel book. I mean, it's not on evangelism, but it is on um, discipleship. And I would say that it is also very important for Evangelism, because what I found is that when you have, I can see that there. Okay, when you have um, evangelism without discipleship, evangelism eventually becomes weak, and the church becomes weak. And the the church that does well in discipleship creates a foundation for evangelism, and so that's one of the reasons why. In our center called Blogaviestia Today, which is called, which means Evangelism Today, we focus on two aspects, evangelism and discipleship, because we have to have both of those things. Like I often say, it's the two legs of the church. And so one of the reasons why we end up printing this book, uh, in fact, you can find this. I'll put a link to the English version of it called Growing Up. One of the reasons why we decided to print this book was because we felt like there was a lack of personal discipleship and a lack of understanding of personal discipleship in the churches. And in my experience, I found that we tend in our churches to lean towards, decide, you know, <laughs> well, you know, just everything's about the Sunday morning service In and of course, that is a very important time, but if, we, if, that, if our discipleship is only about the Sunday morning service, we're really not doing discipleship like God wants us to do. So in this book called Growing Up by Robbie Galati, Galati I think that's how you say it, uh, he talks about doing discipleship in smaller accountability type groups. And these are groups of three to five people. And these groups are also designed to be temporary. And so there would be groups of three to five people. They, so some of the differences, I guess, between, let's just say, a small group Bible study, you know, which is also good and, and very useful. A small group Bible study, uh, you would have uh, men, you'd have women, uh, you could have 10, 12, 15, or, or even more people sometimes in a small group Bible study, and that's great. That's a great time for fellowship on a bit of a closer level than maybe you would get in a church service where you might have 80 people or 100 people or several hundred people. But as we look at the life of Christ, we find that Christ, uh, he preached to the masses. Then he preached to his 70 disciples. And then he especially cultivated that relationship with those 12, but he also had sort of the inner circle. And with that inner circle... Of uh, James, John, Peter, he he was he was much more uh, uh, intense, I guess you could say, intentional, and and he he really focused on his relationship with them. And so this book is really about that inner circle, uh, having uh, a few people that you are intensely working in a discipleship relationship with. And so the idea is that you would have this group for nine to 10 months and then you would uh, break it and then have those people go out and, and start their own small groups. And so it's, it's a model I think that is, is useful it's not, you know, answering every single question about discipleship because, of course, we, we do still need preaching. We do still need Sunday morning services, uh, small groups, and, you know, things like that. But I think that it is answering a large need in that uh, we often don't have the type of discipleship that really connects with some of the deeper issues in our life because we manage to sort of keep a distance. And, and what I've found, especially... Uh, in the last couple of years is that it's so important to do discipleship and do evangelism on that deeper personal level We're oftentimes just trying to gather a crowd and i find that uh, that oftentimes i need to just stop gathering the crowd and focus on one or two or three individuals so this book um we just just got it printed i think last week or week before and we are planning some seminars, some conferences on that. Now uh, we're planning to do uh, one in Kiev, one in Eastern Ukraine, and, and one here in Southern Ukraine in Odessa. So appreciate your prayers concerning that. That God will give us opportunities, and that we could really see a discipleship movement uh, start out in churches. In fact, and, and you know, one of the aspects of these groups is that they're, they're supposed to be evangelistic. That means they are accountable about evangelism. To say. who did you share the gospel with that's one of the things that we do in the group who did you share the gospel with last week who are you praying for what kind of progress is there how can we pray for you um, so that you'd be able to share the gospel better how can we pray for this person that you're sharing the gospel with so that's the book vazrastanya all right friends want to thank you for joining us for this episode of the gospel today as always we really appreciate your prayers appreciate your Love and your concern, your support, and if you want to know more or if you'd like to support us, you can go to SuperFamily.org and there is a, I think there is a menu item support, as well as you can sign up for our email newsletter there.